episode the bannerman turns 21 but today in reality the bannerman turned one because it is our one year anniversary of launching this podcast happy birthday vardy happy birthday to you as well god i was gonna jump out of a cake for you but the internet prevents so, me from I'm doing glad you such didn't. things no i'm glad you didn't uh there's lines that we can't cross as friends <laughs> and i'm glad we didn't cross that line um uh, so what's up, man? What's new with you? What's going on with you? Let's let's talk about Vardy. You know, Vardy's doing good. I'm enjoying the playoffs. Are you? know, you? This, this last round in particular has been very pleasing thus far. I don't want to jinx anything. Yeah, the thing is, when you're a Kings fan, as long as we have been, a 3-1 series lead for any team is not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. But especially for Washington, who is 7-5. and five. When they're up three to one in the series, which is just a ridiculous stat when you compare it to the historical percentage in the NHL yeah, of teams winning it, it. Not good. Yeah. So let's hope the Caps do it. Um, it has been a good final, though. It it really has been an enjoyable final. Not just because Washington's up three one. Um, it's been good hockey. Like Vegas has been in every game. Washington mm-hmm. even was in the game where that they lost. It's a good pace. And it really reminds you of how small the margin of error is in the NHL. That's the way I felt with Vegas's last three losses. It's like, man, if they just put it away on a few opportunities, if they just, especially the last game, the first 10 minutes when they were all over him, had they just right. put one in, it could be a totally different game. And God knows they were close to it. I mean, I've seen plenty of memes now of James Neal whiffing on an empty net, you know, that that's a total tide turner of a goal if it goes in but it's i agree with you man the margin for error is so narrow which is why like you look at this and, and i'm trying to like figure out exactly what's different per se with how vegas is playing this series versus the other ones like why why they're losing this one and i, I don't know i don't want to attribute it to just dumb luck or a bounce here or a bounce there but that certainly seems like was what happening you know i think also Flurry hasn't been superhuman in the final. That's very true. Yes. He's been good. And I certainly don't really blame him for anything, but he was like unbeatable, it seemed like, yeah. in the first three rounds. That and I think Washington, for the first time in these playoffs, or the first team in these playoffs, they've kind of figured it out in terms of the defensive game, how to slow Vegas down and how to kind of. I think they're playing like a 1 3 1. It's hard to. It's hard to tell. I think it is a 1-3-1, but they just Vegas is having a lot of trouble gaining speed through the neutral zone. Like, a lot of trouble. And that speed is what killed everyone in the first three rounds. Uh, they're escaping the forecheck, even though Vegas is still giving them fits at times. Right. But that's really the biggest difference I see. And the Caps are burying their chances, man. Right. Like, it's, that's all it is. <laughs> I don't see anything glaringly different other than those few things. But Flurry. Washington scoring when they have a chance to score. Like the last game, I think scoring chances were 9-3 to three in the first period. 9 for Vegas, 3 for Washington, and Washington was up 3 nothing. Right. You know what I mean? So I think that's what it is. And I think they're getting contributions up and down the lineup early on in the series. In the first game, uh, obviously, 
Vegas's bottom two lines. They seem to be doing uh, a lot better than um, Washington's. And I remember thinking, like, you know, if the Caps are going to win this, their their third and fourth line guys are going to have to contribute. Because I, I mean, you figure Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Oshie, these guys are going to show up. Backstrom, um, but interestingly, guys like Smith Pelly have have been putting in timely goals and. Um, Jay Beagle, you know, really doing well on the forecheck. Uh, in that third game especially, like, I mean, they they made Shea Theodore probably have, like, the worst game he's had all season and capitalized every single time. Um, I think I think things like that, you know, and it just, I don't know. I, I, I think back to the Kings series against them, and we said this at the time, but that was probably about as close of a, of a sweep as you were going to get, right? Oh, like yeah, based yeah. on the scores and based everything. On the, based on everything. Based on just the eye test, too. It wasn't yeah. that far off. Yeah. And so you just wonder, like, you know, not to take anything away from Vegas because clearly you don't get here on dumb luck and they've and they've had a great season. But um, I, still, I still contend, and obviously from a biased perspective, but I still contend that I think if the Kings had their full lineup – you know they certainly wouldn't get swept, and I think I think they would have had a chance to to end this nightmare early on. <laughs> but you know here we are. Yeah, and I you know what I like about Washington? Um, they're they're guys that usually don't you know that aren't at the forefront. Chandler Stevenson, Verona, mm-hmm. you know these guys mm-hmm. are playing really well right now. Kempney, Kempney yeah, Kempney came up with a big goal, obviously, but he's doing well. He's, I think he's on their top pairing and has been the whole final. So yeah, I saw some, I saw like some advanced stats sheet that basically like their team before company was in the lineup in February and afterwards. And like their numbers have just completely flip flopped in terms of, uh, defensive, um, coverage, like shots against Corsi for like somehow he's just managed to turn things around. I don't know if it's just, you know, I I, have, I certainly haven't watched enough Capitals games to say, but anyway. Another thing, man, TJ Oshie is really having an impact. I, I think he's the one guy that maybe Vegas doesn't quite have an answer for. It's not that he's, he's just – it's not about score sheet and all that. Just his impact on the overall play of the game, his physicality. Like, him, he seems to be in the middle of everything. Um, mm-hmm. Scrums, what have you. So, I think – that's been another big thing is they just don't have, you know, a equivalent in terms of talent, in terms of just his style. He's such a different kind of player. And I think Vegas is really having a ton of trouble with him all series. Yeah, I I think just the Caps horses are all showing up, man. You know, you, you knew Ovechkin was going to. The guy's like all heart and soul. Uh, Kuznetsov, I think there was a little bit of a, a heart attack when he took that little wrist injury and he doesn't seem any worse for wear. And he's probably the front runner for the con Smythe at this point. Um, interestingly enough, like Backstrom is really the one that's just kind of like there in the background, even though he's, you know, assisting nicely and, and stuff. I, I feel like I don't hear his name very often, but then you look at the box score and you're like, Oh, how about that? Backstrom had two more points. Interesting. Yeah. One more, one more for the caps. One more. It's always the hardest one. One of the great hockey cliches. The fourth one is the hardest one, especially when it's the final. I mean, yeah. would it shock you though if Vegas came back? No. I mean, they're right? like cockroaches. It's, right, and again, I don't think they've been overly 
outplayed either. I know the score from the last game suggests they might have been, but eh, you know, it's it's what we said, burying your chances, getting good goaltending, maybe getting some bounces, and that kind of score happens. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised just to maybe spite us, Vegas forces game seven. It could happen, man. This team, I don't think they've lost four in a row all season. I think I was looking at that stat going back to, obviously, opening night. They haven't mm -hmm. lost four straight games at any point. That's not to say they can't win the next one and then lose the next no one. No time but, like the present. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we'll see. It's been entertaining. Go Caps. All Caps. Uh, hashtag. All Caps. Yeah. What else uh, has been going around in the league, Vardy? Uh, today, <laughs> some interesting news. As you call him, the Teflon Don, <laughs> Garth Snow. <laughs> That's right. Finally made an armor-piercing round in the form of Lou Lamarillo, the true Don of the NHL. Seriously. And, yeah, uh, man. Yeah, he's fired. Garth is fired. <laughs> Doug Wade is fired, which was surprising because he didn't do too bad. I think he got one season, if I'm not mistaken, with the Islanders. They seem to like him. The players seem to respond to him. Obviously, the results suggest otherwise, but everything I heard was that, you know, yay Doug Wade – uh, but Lou Lamarillo comes in, and he cleans house, man. He cleans house in a big way. That's that's what Lou does, man. This is this is Lou's world, and we're all just living in it. The man's going to be managing hockey teams from the grave. I'm, I'm telling you, and basically just in the Upper Atlantic Coast. That's kind of where he goes. <laughs> you know, like he, he's got a certain temperature that he's very comfortable with. He doesn't venture too far out from there. Um, Next step is to take over the Rangers, and then my mind will be blown. Um, it's uh, I think it, the, the Garth Snow firing has been a long time coming, man. That's that's a guy that like <laughs> you you could spend an entire podcast, and I'm sure some Islanders podcasts have spent hours just reviewing the ridiculous moves that this guy has made, and um, you know. Charles Wong and and their, you know, and his love for Garth has kept him around in that position for much longer than necessary, and um, it, it, it is a long time coming. And I think it's just the you know, if you're going to fire the GM, you're you're not going to keep Doug Wade around. You know what I mean? Like this isn't, it's not Mike Babcock. It's not some guy who's had like a long tenure in the NHL, and you know, and lose definitely one of those guys who who likes his old school, you know guys who've been there kind of uh leadership roles i wouldn't be surprised if he starts like calling daryl sutter and you know some tried and true options like that to take over and be and be coaches for the islanders um i wouldn't be surprised if daryl sutter and dean lombardi end up being you know kind of drawn into the conversation about who should lead the islanders because again they have a track record and dean certainly has spent plenty of time in the in the northeast and you know the proximity to the Yankees will be perfect for him to make all sorts of comparisons, piss off some Met fans, I'm sure, in New York. But um, I think I think those are the types of names that you're going to see floating around in terms of uh, who Lou's going to be looking to to run this team. And I think, um, and then obviously the big question becomes trying to keep Tavares. That's you know the crown jewel of that franchise right now. It is interesting how this all affects that situation. Uh, I can't imagine. I don't know. I can't imagine like Lou didn't speak to Tavares before making these decisions, at least a little bit. Mm. It would be hard for me to like 
especially if you know he likes the coach or whatever. Yeah. Um, it would be really surprising if he didn't at least like get on the phone with him and be like, hey, this is happening. Just so you know, uh, I hope <laughs> it doesn't mean you're leaving. Although, man, I can't. I still can't see him staying. Like, I just can't. Obviously, crazier things have happened, and you know, this day and age, it's it's far less likely to see big players move. But if you're him, and and we've talked about this so many times on this podcast in the last year of our existence. That if if you're him, your time's running out. You see all these guys; they're winning. Your age is not. I mean, you're not a young player anymore. So the time is now to make a move and try to win a Stanley Cup, whatever it is that you desire. I'm sure it's a cup. He's. Just, I mean, he's a Canadian, good old Canadian boy, a Don Cherry favorite. <laughs> so I assume that's it. So I I just have a hard time believing that he would stick around now. Although you know, Lou Lamarillo coming into the fold you know that's an impactful thing you can't take that lightly the man has a history of success that very few can match so we'll see what what johnny t does but right now if like like if i had to guess i would guess he tests the market at the very least and sees what's up i don't think i would be shocked in any way either if lamarillo was was okay with that maybe not necessarily losing him um ufa but like trading his rights or doing doing anything like that just really undo this entire team and and try and like start from the ground up you know what i mean like make it a team to his standards or whatever his vision is of of what this team should be like it's it's gonna be wild times in in islander land man (laughs) the offseason is always so intriguing and i i think last off season when we started this thing we talked about how much we love the off season process all the things that happened including the draft free agency the draft especially i think if i know you well enough i think that's probably one of your favorite times yeah one of your favorite times of the year not just because of the potential movement of nhl players but it's really fun to research like upcoming prospects and stuff like that um, oh, yeah. It's something that I'm in the middle of doing right now, and, and I'm thoroughly enjoying once again. I think I, I was really knee-deep into it last year, um, <laughs> and this year I'm starting starting that way. The draft is coming quickly, so it's going to be fun. Um, we'll see what trades are made. We'll see if the Kings make any trades because the last few days there's been rumblings, smoke, call it what you want, about Phil Kessel being linked to the LA Kings. Bob McKenzie, uh, we posted on Twitter. You could check it, check out the video on Insider Trading. Just mentioned that Kessel is in play. Um, it's not a guarantee or anything, but he is, you know, in play to a certain degree. And he specifically mentioned the Kings as being one of the teams that would likely be interested. Again, it's pretty vague. He does use words like probably interested or might be interested, things like that. So it's not like I don't think there's a clear cut, you know connection he has to someone in the king's organization that said hey bob we're gonna go after phil kessel and we're gonna go Mm -hmm. after him hard so but it is interesting it is an interesting idea it'll be fun to explore what do you think about kessel given his contract given his age would he be a fit for where the kings are headed right now so i think i think in terms of his ability and the skill that he brings and everything you know 
Okay, his contract is for like eight million a year, and he's probably worth that at this point. Probably will be worth it for another two, three seasons, maybe longer. I don't know. The problem becomes I don't think that the Kings are really looking to get an eight million dollar forward. I think if you just look again, Dowdy's contract is, is the big elephant in the room, and then um, you've still got Kopitar, you've still got Brown, you've still got a lot of these guys signed long term, and it, and it goes back to the the whole thing that we've talked about before is like something's got to give. Right. Like at some point, someone has to move for you to free up space if you're going to really go after it and bring guys like that, whether it's Martinez to Foley Pearson, someone like that has to move if you're really going to chase after someone to that extent. But I, I just I don't think Phil Kessel's the guy. I think um, we've talked about Jeff Skinner before. I think someone of that age group is probably a little more realistic. I think Kessel is probably just a little bit older than what they're looking to go after. Right. Um, and also I just don't understand why Pittsburgh would trade him. I mean, I looked at Pittsburgh's numbers. We were, we were looking at him earlier and I'm like, okay, there's a couple guys that, you know, they have two and a half million in cap space as it stands. They have a few RFAs to sign, but the Broussard comes off the books next season. Haggling comes off the books next season. That's $8 million freed up right there. I mean, what, what about Kessel so far has, has implied that like he, doesn't work on that team. He's oh, yeah. had the most success he's, in his entire career on that team. He's coming off a 92-point season. Exactly. 92-point exactly. season. I mean, that's not a – 34 goals, 58 assists, 92 po- – that's a – I mean, <laughs> you can't – show me a better winger who has, like, a better right-wing season. Hell, show me any winger who had a better season. Ovechkin maybe? Okay. Anyone else come to mind that had 92 points as a winger? Guys like that who get traded? Absolutely not. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe Hosa when he was traded at some point, but that was at the deadline. You know what I mean? And he was he was leaving. Not someone who's got four million. I mean, four years left on his contract. That's that's. I don't know, man. I think I you know I trust Bob McKenzie with almost all things hockey, and I'm sure there's some rumblings about it. But if Kessel gets traded, I I will be really really surprised right. i think there's plenty of other guys who will move well before kessel will here are the wingers that outscored kessel last year kucherov had 100 points taylor hall had 93 trade them trade them both so there you go i mean blake blake wheeler was pretty close um but that's it and then ovi so it's like he's had a career year one of the best years probably for any penguins winger because the last decade or so, their centers have been kind of carrying the water there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and the fit with the Kings, I don't see it either. You know, he's it's not – the age, they're trying to get younger and faster. They've been saying this. It's been kind of like the company line for a while now. So, I just – it's not that Phil Kessel's slow, but, you know, he's 30. He has a big contract. I I kind of don't expect him to have another 92-point season. Right. Honestly, in in the same way, I kind of don't expect Kopitar to have another ninety-two point season, and it, that's not a knock on either guy. It's just I think they just had really those are the outliers, right? right. Like that's not that's not really what they're what you expect. Right. You know, everything right. everything regresses to the mean eventually, and so okay, if you've historically been a seventy eighty point guy, and you hit ninety two for a season, I don't expect you to keep up that pace north of thirty years old. You know. Right. Which is realistic. Right, right. Um, Elliot Friedman recently actually reported 
that the Kings are believed to have interest in Skinner and Pacioretty. Mm-hmm. This was, I think, published like yesterday, something crazy like that. But um, I really wish Elliot Friedman would at least give us credit when he's citing our rumors in his podcast. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, it's just poor journalism. Come on, Frege. Come on, buddy. Um, his exact quote is, we've talked before. I think the Kings are a team that have been interested in Skinner. I think Florida potentially is a team that could be interested. It's players that I think we felt were reasonable fits with the team. Um, it's almost like it takes a s- certain type of player <laughs> to fit in the Kings system. Mm-hmm. It, it, even though that's changing, in Daryl Sutter's days, you know, I think Gabrick, Williams were the only two high-scoring players that came in and continued to score. But, yeah, I mean, Jeff Skinner, I think, to me, is the guy you go after. Granted, he's going to be the most attractive target for a lot of teams. And then I would probably go for Pacioretty before Kessel. Yeah, and that's – I agree with you. And it's – it's an interesting point because like Pacioretty's 29 and Kessel's 30. Meanwhile, we're talking about age and speed and stuff. But to me, the thing is – well, one is the contract, right? Because he's got patrick He's got a year left. So if he comes in and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, or he gets hurt again, okay, you just walk away from it. Two, I think it's a lot easier to get patrick than it is Kessel because of the injury history, because of you know, because of the season he's coming off of. Versus like you're buying high on Kessel. You're buying about as high as he's ever going to get. I think you're buying low on patrick and hoping he bounces back. And if it doesn't, then you're not tied to him. If you bring in Kessel and, you know, you give up the farm for him and you got you're really hoping that you get something done in the next couple of seasons. Otherwise, you really give up a lot of things. And I don't think Blake is really looking to do that. I think everything so far from from how you know he's managed the team and the moves he's made is implied. He doesn't really want to give up a ton of assets. He wants to build this team through the draft, through the prospects. And so he's, I don't think he's going to go after a fish quite the size of Kessel Skinner. I think you can go after because he's got, he's, you know, he's younger and that might be a worth risking a bit more in the trade market. If you're going to go after someone like that. The one thing that's very clear that no one can really argue is that the Kings are actively looking to add a scoring winger. Right. I think that's pretty much set in stone there. And Um, they have the pieces to acquire one. I mean, they, they have, prospects if they want to dig into that pool and i think again the the roster players we've talked about if they want to dig into that pool they can do so because of the success of some of their younger guys no i agree and uh cap space wise there i think at 4.5 the cap will go up depending on how significantly it goes up that's going to give them a little more flexibility to do the things they want to do but i'm excited man i'm excited to see what the kings do next season um we touched on this before but much more excited than the last time they were eliminated from the playoffs yeah, in definitely. short order. So looking good. Uh, curious to see who they draft in this draft. I think we'll have a more in-depth look at who the Kings might draft possibly next episode. Um, and we'll figure out who we like, Vardy. You've done a little more digging on this one than I have so far. Like Based on where the Kings are looking – does that seem like it's one of the deeper drafts through the first round, or is it kind of, you know, top ten and then there's a pretty drastic drop off? I mean, obviously in every draft, you know, you find yeah. gems in the second round, but 
you know, there's some drafts where it's like you look back and every single player in the first round is an NHL player. So the one thing about this draft I've noticed, and I don't know if maybe it is similar to the last one. It's like a total wild card after like, man, even the, I would say after number one, like Mm -hmm. Darlene is going to go one unless Buffalo is super hammered and they don't take him. Uh, they celebrate before the draft and they and they don't show up because they're too hungover to make it to the draft table. Exactly. I think I, – I can't remember the last – well, I can remember the last time when there was such a consensus number one pick. It happens often. But what I mean is a defenseman to be, you know, so obviously – so obviously the top pick in a draft. It's been a while since that's happened. Uh, even – the headman year but he I wasn't mean, he went second oh did he oh, yeah yeah right. he didn't go number uh, what year was that uh like was 20 that Tavares 14, 2015 yeah you might be right okay yeah yeah uh, you're right you're right you're right, right right so anyway there's Darlene. he's gonna go to buffalo uh then it's andre svechnikov who's like man this kid is good he's a good player um he's like a He's a big Russian kid. He plays kind of a power game, but he's like a lethal sniper. He's like a little – the comparisons I've read most is like he's a bigger, stronger Kucherov. That's good. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. And he's like like one of these effortless skaters that is fast without looking fast. He's just kind of Mm -hmm. slipping through everyone. So he's going to be a good one. Uh, This kid Zadina, a Czech, he's like – Consider the best shooter in the draft. Uh, so he's like a pure sniper. Then then there's Brady Kachuk, who's Matthew Kachuk's brother. Um, it's funny. I hate him already. <laughs> I know. It's funny. I was reading like his NHL comparable, and it's Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and then you look at Matthew Kachuk and says, Keith Kachuk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've also read that Brady Kachuk has like a little bit of Bobby Ryan in him, which is like this – Kind of like the silky edge to him. Good hands. He's a goal scorer. He's a power forward with good hands. Anyway, like those are, I think that's the consensus top four. But then there's like this, all this movement that could happen in the first round. So it is going to be interesting. There's good players. There's a lot of boom or bust type of kids in here. Ryan Merkley is an example. He's like this high level, high IQ, high talent kid. But like everyone questions his attitude, work ethic, and his defensive game. He's a defenseman. But but he in the offensive zone he's Drew Doughty you know in the defensive zone he's like I don't know Braden McNabb or someone in the I second think you year. just described Justin Schultz yeah yeah very similar actually that's a good comparison that's probably a top comparable another one I've heard is Mike Green uh, high level in the offensive zone very smart player uh, really creative but then in the defensive zone needs a lot of work and like his attitude is is questioned so. Mm-hmm. He might fall to the Kings, actually. Um, a player like that who's like – he is the true boom or bust prospect of this draft. So I'm very curious as to what happens with him. That is interesting. And I, I enjoy that kind of, you know, that we're not so terrible that we're getting, you know, this like guaranteed top flight person. Obviously, that doesn't mean that much for us going forward. But I, I like sometimes when the Kings are in this position where – you kind of let the other teams make the decision for you who's who they're going to take. And then it's kind of open season really, right? Like you can't really question the pick that they make because no one, no one is really a slam dunk at that point. 
And that was kind of how that was kind of how things ended up with Gabe Velarde. Is that they were just sitting back and waiting to see who was going to fall to them, and then okay, happy to do it. You know, you guys want to let this guy slip? That's fine with us. I feel like if you're if you're picking in the top three, your your picks are going to get criticized the whole time, right? Like until until that player's career is over your picks are going to be completely overanalyzed and been like you could have gone gone here you know but if you're like in 15 or 10 to 15 it's like hey man at this point things get a little muddy and some people slipped here and there we had this guy a little higher on our draft board we went with it yeah and i like it it's fun it's fun man and like just to, one more thing on this markley kid just to give you just to give you an example of how polarizing he is like the two top guys on tsn are for the draft are bob mckenzie and craig button bob mckenzie mckenzie has him at 11 ranked button has him at 26 so that pretty much (laughs) so that kind of tells the story right of like where this guy is in terms of his boom or bust status so it's gonna be fun um i love the draft i love the movement i love researching this stuff I love when GMs really comment on what their decision making was when they make those picks. I think that's one of my favorite things. It's like, yeah, because some of them are like best player available. Other guys are like, I had to listen to my scouts. It's not on me. It's a fun time. So my favorite is after the draft when every once in a while a team will leak like their not leak but like they release their their little like focus draft video. Yeah, I love where those. they just they had the one with the Blues I think a few seasons back. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was great, man. I, I enjoyed that so much because you just see them like, you see their gut reaction when a guy that they were like really hoping no one would pick up suddenly gets picked and it's just fun, dude. I love that stuff so much. And then I, my other favorite thing is to like look back at drafts from oh, like five that. years ago I love that. and to just be like, Hey man, who, who made it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And just for an example, cause I, I happen to be looking at it. I'm looking at the 2013 draft, right? So five years ago, roughly, which should be a decent amount of time for you to figure out like what you have for most of these guys. Okay, here's the order that it went into, and these are all names you're going to recognize. Nathan McKinnon, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Drouin, Seth Jones, Elias Lindholm, Sean Monahan, Darnell Nurse, Rasmus Ristolainen, Bo Horvat, Valerie Nikushkin, who's supposed to be coming back this season to play for Dallas. Yeah, right? Like they needed more. Samuel Morin. They do. Uh, Max. <laughs> Actually, they do. They My do. bad. Yeah. Go on. Max Domi, Josh Morrissey, Alex Venberg, Ryan Pollock, Nikita Zadorov, Curtis Lazar, Mirko Mueller, Kirby Reichel. I mean, these are all guys who are playing in the league right now. And I'm, I'm you can go all the way through the first round. And I think I've heard of every single one of these guys, save for maybe one or two who have like not only played in NHL games, but like they're players on NHL teams right Right, now. Right. Man, that is, I have it up to now. That is a good first round. Look at that round, dude. Go all the way down. I mean, I made it to 20. Look at this. So Anthony Manta playing very well for Detroit, Frederick Gauthier, uh, Emile Poirier. I'm not familiar with Burakovsky, right? Right. Playing in the cup finals can't be a bad thing. Hunter Shinkarik, you hear about him a lot, certainly is one of the future guys for Vancouver. Michael McCarron, again, I'm sure some Montreal fans know him. I'm not terribly familiar. Shea Theodore, Marco Dano, Morgan Klimchuk I've heard of. 
Jason Dixon, not so much. Brian Hartman, obviously, I have heard of because yeah. he was just traded recently for a first round pick. So, dude, that is that's like that's like a ninety percent hit rate. That's for the pretty first good, round. Yeah, that's that a is pretty good very impressive. First round, and and it's not even about the fact. It doesn't matter if they're impact players or not. The fact that they're all almost all NHL regulars, like that's. It's hard to find that in a draft, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, never mind hitting on like I don't know, a Bull Horvat at number nine. You know, yeah. That's this is we're just talking about guys who can make it. You know, what we should do one day. We should do. We should pick a draft and do a redraft, just for fun. Ooh, and see I like how, that. And see how we maybe leading up to the draft we'll pick first a dra- things first. We take Victor. We take uh, Tarasenko ahead of Derek uh, Forbert. <laughs> I'm just All gonna right. do that. Good. One. We're done with that All one. Right? Good. I hope you've Whichever enjoyed year that was. I hope you 2012, I think. I hope you've in, enjoyed the redraft of the 2010 NHL draft, everyone. <laughs> Tarasenko over Forbert. Thank you and good night. Yes. Yeah, it was 2010. Um, I think in 2012 we won the cup and drafted Pearson. I think. Pretty sure. Good year. Uh, yeah. Good summer. That summer. <laughs> um. Speaking of Pearson, we wanted to do something kind of different. We wanted to go through the Kings roster this year and give them our grades. And since I'm sure you guys have picked up on this by now, our episode titles are usually a play on movie titles. We're going to go with a star system, Vardy. Five-star system. We can go half-stars if we want. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to go through the 2017-2018 LA Kings and give him a grade. You you excited? You seem pumped. I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready to do this. All right, you got your roster up? Yes. I have it I have it up by uh by salary cap uh hit. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> it's, the, Hold on. it's the only way you want to be looking at these players. Are you saying you're going to judge these players by how much they make? Versus I mean, their how- cap hit definitely it's just like a, it's just like any movie, man. You have a two million dollar movie that makes a hundred million dollars. It's a good return on investment. <laughs> so well played, so well played on that one. <laughs> so we're gonna use the star system, uh, as all true movie critics do, and we're only gonna go through the defense on this episode. Uh, we like to elaborate, so we're gonna take our time. Defense this episode, goaltending defense this and episode, yes. Right. And for the next episode, we will leave all the forwards. So let's get started. So we'll start from the net out. Dean Lombardi style. Ooh. Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell. What do you I got? I think for what he's paying him and for what his goal, his role was, guy came in, won his first NHL game, and certainly seems like he'll be our backup next season without much to worry about. I give him four stars. I'm going to go three and a half stars. Okay. Um, the reason is when he was in net, he he played well. You know, he played well, but there were times where I felt uneasy when he was in the net. I felt like mm-hmm. he's still finding his feet, so to speak. He was kind of scrambly at times, but yeah, you can't argue with the results. He came in, he did well. But I, the reason I knock off, I guess, the half star in comparison to your four stars is just I never felt comfortable. With him and Net, I was just being honest. He's he maybe uh, it was it was jitters, uh, but you know when Camper was in Net, I was pretty comfortable. I was like, yeah, 
cool. This is just this is good. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't say Kemper. I could, I suppose, because he was a big part of the roster. I mean, he definitely would have gotten five stars from me. But I was just going by the the roster at the end of the season. Right. Okay. Well, still pretty close. Three and a half to four. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. He will be the backup next year. Yeah. Unless Cal Peterson just rocks everyone's socks and just takes that spot, which I would be so happy about. But yeah, no one's no one's going to sit there and lament that Jack Campbell's not our backup if Cal Peterson beats him out for it. You know, right? Um, so we'll keep the goalie trend going. I'll okay. go. I'll go this time. I'll go Jonathan Quick. Man, it's so hard to even be slightly negative about this guy. I'm going to give him four. <laughs> I'm going to give him four and a half stars on this one. I'm not going to go five because I think five means like exceeded expectations to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So I'll go four and a half. He had he, solid, man. He just did his job. He did. It was a very typical Jonathan quick season. And, and again, you cannot, the freshest memory is the playoffs. And he was outstanding in the playoffs. Yep. Like as good as he's been, in any playoff run that I've seen, he was that good. So yep. just maybe, came across a guy who was a little hotter. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, if, if he maybe if he wasn't that great in the playoffs, maybe I go four stars. But it's just so fresh right now that I gotta go four and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you for all the same reasons. I think there was a lot of question marks for him coming in being 32 years old and how he was going to play and how he's going to hold up. And I think, uh, the Kings did a good job managing his games played. Um, and, uh, he delivered, he did exactly what he had to do to keep the the team in it. Um, even through their little slump, their usual winter regression. So four and a half stars from the Bannerman for Johnny quick. Yep. Carry on. All right. Now, Continuing from the net out, um, Oscar Fantenberg. <sighs> this one's tough. So here's another. It is tough. It is tough because I feel like I feel like they they kind of thrust him in a role that I didn't feel particularly comfortable with a lot of times, especially in the playoffs. It was like uh, no one should feel comfortable with this guy playing 40 minutes a game in a double overtime game. Um, I'm, I'm going to say three stars. I'm going to I'm going to say he came in, he played for his first NHL season as an overage guy. He played exactly how he should play to get himself a job in the league. I don't think he did anything more or less. Three stars. Yeah, I'll, I like three stars. I'll stick with three stars. Again, just like quick, your freshest memory mm-hmm. <laughs> is James Neal. You know, on that spin move on Fattenberg and driving him. I didn't even drive him. He just straight up turnstiled him. Yeah. And then scored. Like, that's my memory, my final, like, memory of him. It, you know, I thought in the beginning he was pretty good. I, I, didn't, I didn't, he didn't jump out to at me either way when he was first starting the season. I was like, oh, you know, he even, I remember even making a comment, which sounds so stupid now that I repeat to myself <laughs> is that he reminded me of Andre Sakara in, in some ways. And, you know, <laughs> looking back, yeah. it's like, no, there's that defensive prowess <laughs> of Andre Sakara. Yeah. So that's, that's no, no, uh, that's not <laughs> true anymore. So yeah, three stars. Um, 
Is he under contract? Did they just sign him? He's RFA. I can't. I think they did just sign him. Like, they just signed him, right? He, he got one award. year. Yeah. Yeah. He, got, he. It was pretty much. He got awarded a contract because he played forty something minutes that night. That's. I truly right. believe that. Right. Um, and maybe he'll get better. I don't know. And maybe he doesn't even make the Kings. So. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think it's a guarantee at all. But. Yeah, especially with Daniel Brickley possibly, you know, making the team. We'll see about that. But yeah. Fanta. Okay. Uh, All right. Next one. Next one, I'll go with Christian Foline. Likely not returning to mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Kings, by the way. they I mean, is this official? Like, uh, I think it seems so, to be, man. It seems to be a done deal that he's not coming back. Yeah. I can't remember if it's because, you know, Rosen tweeted something, Mayor Bernstein. I can't remember. But it, it was... It was a lot of those inside guys that were just like, okay, he's not coming back right. kind of thing. And it seemed like... I think even Blake may have thrown something Ever in so there. Ever so subtly been like... Yeah, yeah. Like, we have a no-sweet policy on defense. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, uh, Christian Foline. Here's Rasmus Dallin. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not hear what I just said? (laughs) Yeah. No, no. Um, For for falling, man, I cannot put him lower than Fattenberg. It's just not right. Like, my initial thought was two and a half, but I cannot rank Fattenberg higher than him. So I'm going to go. I agree, man. I think they're both three star guys. I think they came in and they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Yeah. So I'll go three. You go three. Uh, happy trails, man. Christian Foley. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like he'll get a like contract somewhere. Oh hell yeah, he will. It'll probably be in like San Jose or something, and you know. Not only that, I think a part of it might be that Blake feels that Foley might have like priced himself out of L.A. in in many ways. Uh, maybe maybe he earned a contract where Blake's like, yeah, you go get that money, buddy. All right, it's not going to be here, but you go get that money. Yeah, no, that's possible. Yeah, man. it's possible. All right, um, another guy, I guess who. It certainly sounds like they're not going to try and sign him as Kevin Gravel. Right. I mean. <laughs> He's a small sample size. It's really hard to. It is a small. But you know what, though? Because I'm, I'm going to say two stars, and I'll tell you why. Because this is a guy that, unlike Fantenberg or Foline, who are coming completely from the outside or unknown with minimal expectation. The expectation was that a guy like Gravel, who's come up through the King system and had played a decent amount of games last year, should have been able to secure a roster spot over these guys, in my opinion. And he just didn't. For one reason or another, he just didn't. And they didn't play him until they were very, very desperate. So, Two stars, man, and it sounds like he's they're not gonna sign him either. He's another guy that like I think Rosen kinda came out and said that, you know, they're gonna let him walk, I think, as an RFA. Yeah, I can't disagree, man. Uh, I was gonna say two and a half and I'll stick to two and a half, I guess. It, certainly the reason he didn't get a look is because of his doing. Uh, it's not like I don't think the Kings were just holding him down or anything like that. Um but I still would have liked to see him get a little bit more than he got his size is is good his age is good i thought he had he was fine last year again the memory i have of him right now in my head Mm -hmm. you know what it is yeah you know exactly what it is it's that it's that cross-up playing overtime against vegas and exactly (laughs) yeah it's funny 
It's what you're only as good as your last game. Apparently, that's a true statement. That's the thing, though. If you can't trust these guys in games like that, then what what good are they to you? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna throw in Curtis McDermott now. Again, okay. Small sample size, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, a, a guy that should not have made the team. If you think, okay, if you fair. think about Ledoux, if you think about Gravel, the stuff we just talked about, right? No one had him penciled in so i'm gonna give him three stars i'm gonna give him three stars you know what three and a half stars i'm gonna bump a half Whoa. star and i'll tell you why for what i just said i think that's absolutely true and then for a stretch there um until kind of the wheel started coming off a little bit he looked not out of place he looked like a solid serviceable defenseman he adds a dimension that no other defenseman and really in the king's pipeline can add which is that physical element, which is the ability to really, I mean, I, re, I, I don't think anyone can soundly beat this guy in a fight. I know that's almost an archaic thing to say in the new NHL, but he's a presence. And I thought for not his, when not when freaking the Knights are putting Ryan Reeves out there with a true. minute left to go in a game on the power, you know, <laughs> on the true. PK. This is true. So for those reasons, for the fact that he had no business making the team and he made it anyway, because he worked hard, he, he proved himself. He came in. He got his first NHL goal. He was super excited. Everyone says he's a good teammate. Three and a half stars. Um, just a feel-good kind of guy. I'll, I'll give him that extra half star. I'll give him three. I can't bring myself to go above that. I think that's fine. Feel-good. Fantastic story. But And maybe this is no fault of his, but I feel like the Kings just kept putting him out there and playing him and playing him when it was pretty clear that, you know, he had, he had served his purpose and he really was starting to get burned and tired and the the cracks in his game were starting to show a little bit. Again, that's not his fault, but the fact is that I, I would be sincerely shocked if he ends up playing any further games with the Kings. Wow. Quite frankly, Bold. unless it's like, unless it's like a, like a real up. emergency basis yeah. kind of thing. That's just my own personal point of view. See, man, that is a tough, that's, that's a tough thing to say, right? Uh, I I know that's an opinion. I and, said it. And I know like 90% of the time we agree with each other. Um, but I disagree. Is Curtis McDermott going to be the rock that our relationship <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. dies upon? I, I disagree. I think he – I think we haven't seen the last of him. He's 24. Um, if he rounds out his game, man – that's a bottom pairing type of defenseman that you want. You just want those type of guys. They can, they don't hurt your team. Uh, obviously, he, right now he does. <laughs> but if, mm-hmm. again, if he comes, if he rounds out his game, if he cleans up his game a little bit, he has a good shot. He can shoot the puck hard. Um, does he have the offensive? Yeah, he's like seven feet tall. Right. All he's got to do is sure. lean into it. The question is, does he have the offensive awareness? You know, to know when to shoot, where to shoot, all this stuff. So those there are question marks, but I'm going to disagree and say we have not seen the last of McDermott. I'm not saying next season, but I'm saying he will be on the Kings, and it won't be just an emergency last minute. Everyone's injured call up. All right, prove me wrong, Big Mac. Prove me wrong. There you go. Do it, buddy. Copyright nickname Big Mac going forward. <laughs> yeah, McDonald's might have something to say about that, but I don't recognize their authority in such matters. There's a Big Mac for that. <laughs> God. Oh, God. 
Uh, already hates that commercial for everyone. I hate that commercial anyway. so much. It's uh, the worst. Moving on, Vardy, you're up. All right. Paul Adu. No. Polarization. Man. Yeah. This is a... Yeah, you go. You go, buddy. You know, it's... If I'm gonna if I'm gonna judge Kevin Gravel on on this, I, I feel like it's only fair to do the same for Ledoux. Um, there's been a lot of critics of his game, uh, Dennis Bernstein being probably one one of the most vocal ones. And with some time to digest, I, I think I've come around to his his logic a little bit in that if this guy was supposed to be as good and as much of like a a solid top four pairing D-man as, as we've been kind of hearing he's going to be, how how come he hasn't done enough to secure that spot so far? And so based on that, I'm going to say two and a half stars Ooh. because when he was playing, I'd love to see him play and I thought he was contributing well and he was doing well. But again, this is a guy that I thought was going to make the opening night lineup and then never end up playing another AHL game. And instead we ended up getting like what, 15 regular season games and some playoff games because everyone was hurt or suspended at some point, especially for 25, like he is, I think the onus is on you to, to make it a very difficult decision for the team to send you down. And I just don't think he did enough to make that happen. And because of that, two and a half stars. Hmm. Firm, but fair Vardy. Um, I'm going to go. How I live my life. I got to go three stars for him. Um, I just don't see why Dennis Bernstein doesn't like this guy. I get it. What you're saying is valid. He should have made the team out of camp. I, I can't argue that. However, every time he got called up, I thought he played well. I don't remember mm-hmm. a scenario where I was like as upset with Paul Ledoux as I was with like Gravel and Foline and Fantenberg and even McDermott towards the end uh, before he got sent down. Yes, he could get bigger. Yes, he could get heavier. Strength is very important when you're a defenseman. They kind of bounce him around. But, man, you cannot deny the fact that outside of the veterans, outside of Dowdy and maybe, like, a couple other guys, he was – and I'll say this, man. He was the best at slipping away from forechecks, from good forechecks. He was. He he was making plays. He was at least trying to make plays – He's he's mobile enough where I don't think he would ever get turnstile like Fandenberg did. Um, he might get crossed up like Gravel did, but to me, like he has the tools. He shows every time he got called up, he showed something. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like he got called up, did nothing, and they had to send him back. Um, in fact, there was times where I was like, we're calling him healthy scratch or like send him down. It was like a joke because. He got called up, he scored. He got called up, he scored a goal. Right. He created offense. I, I'm not disagreeing with any of those things, man. I'm not I, – I, all, I'm, all I'm basing my scoring on, giving him a, a whopping half star lower <laughs> than you, is purely because <laughs> – is purely because I look at him and, and everything I've heard about this guy for two years is that he's – this is going to be one of our guys. Like I, I haven't heard one of these like uh, maybe, maybe not. Like I feel like the, the organization was very, very optimistic about him. And to – I feel like if you have that much optimism upon you, you really have to screw up for them to not want to make it more consistent. You know what I mean? That's that's all I'm 
that's all I'm basing it on. I'm not basing this one on the eye test. I'm basing it on the things that maybe I don't see that obviously the guys who are watching him are seeing or not seeing from him. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like you said, it's not a big difference, but I just, I don't know. I'm more positive on him. And I'm sure you are too. Um, oh yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I, I, I want him to, to play. I want him to, to play 82 games and show that type of game for an entire season. But maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's a consistency thing that if you're watching him game in and game out on the AHL level, you're just not seeing it. Yeah. I don't know. Moving on to Derek Forbert. And mm. this one is, is, is tough. He had a tough season. Um, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go two stars on this Ooh. guy. Um, Here's the deal. <laughs> okay. The Kings could have had Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> I know that's not fair. I know that's not fair. But here's the thing. We spoke about Forbert at length at times this season. And I, I said it was to the point where I thought he was just a bust for sure. So anything after that was like bonus for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year he was he was solid, right? He he got those big minutes. He was in a big position. He was solid, and then this year, man, he just he looked lost. He really did. I, I don't know how harsh that is, if that's too harsh, but there was times where he was just he looked like how he should have looked last year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like these two years should have been reversed in his development. He looked so calm and cool last year, and then this year he just kind of. Had deer in the headlight moments. I think that's the weight of expectation. It, it is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is that. And that's he, not he an got excuse. a contract, just, right? Yeah. So it, it's just disappointing that coming off. It's almost like he's his worst enemy, right? He has such mm-hmm. a good first year, and the second year, you expect the next step, and it feel like he took a step back. And anytime you take a step back, like I can't, you know, I gotta give him two stars. And it sucks. Yeah. I wish I didn't have to. Yeah. I was actually going to give him three, but you convinced me to. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Derek. Because especially, especially like towards the end of the season, I felt like he was really trying to like pick it back up and things were getting a little cleaner in his game. And like it or not, losing him in the playoffs in the midst of all the other guys that we were already losing, it was it was a big blow to the team, I Correct. think. Correct. And so I think I, I think I, I still have hope for him. I don't ever expect him to pan out to where he was drafted, but I think that there's still the potential for him to be like kind of an Aaron Miller type, you know, defensive defenseman who maybe maybe in like age twenty nine thirty like really solidifies his game and you know that like you still got he's gonna have i think he's one of these guys who's gonna do really well around that age and then he's gonna have about four or five seasons where he just gets bounced around from team to team who's looking to add like one last defensive piece to make a cup run so kind of, you know what i mean like like hopefully like Scuderi, hopefully a mitchell i think is hopefully yeah, a Willie mitchell yeah, that, that exactly because Willie didn't really discover his game until he he was in like sure his later. last few years in minnesota kind of thing and really just like figured Vancouver, out what he needed yeah, to do yeah yeah so i think i think that's his trajectory right now cool um i hope so I hope so. All right. Next. Uh, Alec Martinez. All right. I'm going to say 
I'm going to say four stars for a March. I think again, if you're looking at what you were expecting from this guy, what you're paying him, he's, he's just a consistent guy, dude, honestly, for like four or five seasons. Now I feel like his game has just been the same, a little bit better. Really. I haven't noticed too many glaring mistakes in his game. Um, I think, I think he's exactly what you want him to be. You know, he came in through the Kings development pipeline and he's been a really, really good second pairing D man for them and contributing a bit more on the power play. I think this time around. So four stars for him, in my opinion, that being said, I think he probably might get traded moving on. Um, three and a half for me. Ooh. He took a dip in the points. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's old enough for that to be okay. Um, Mm. When the team is scoring at a different rate than they have for the last few years, um, I don't know. I I don't like I don't like the dip in his offense at all. There was times this year where he looked like he was not struggling, but he he just looked like there was stretches where he just didn't look right to me. I know he's had injury history. I know he's he's had some problems, but. I don't know. I, I felt like this was a step back. I Again, he's 30 years old now. Look, I still like him. I still like him for the cap hit and everything. But yeah, he had 25 points. You like to see him get more than that. You know what I mean? Okay. It's just, yeah. that's what it is with me. Um, there, Remember, it, it had to have been the 15-16 year where it just seemed like this this guy was doing everything right. He looked so right. good. He was rushing the puck with confidence. He was making good plays. Um, this year, I don't know. I just feel like he got ragdolled a lot. <laughs> this is this image in my head of him just getting, mm-hmm. like, smashed into the glass. Um, anyway, I, right. I don't want to go too long. But three and a half, I still like him. Good player. Um, maybe they will trade him. We'll see. But three and a half for me. All right, next up. Primetime, Neon Dion, our big acquisition this season. I got a soft spot for this guy, Vardy. I really do. I'm going to go four and a half stars for Dion. Damn. And I'll tell you why. Because I, I had such low expectations <laughs> of him. I really did. It's like all you hear He's is He's the like, indie movie that, that gets nominated for an Oscar. Right. It's like all you hear is like, Fanuf is terrible and like his defensive coverage is bad and he can't get the puck out of his zone and his feet are made of cement. Those were true sometimes. (laughs) I got it. You finish? I got a great analogy. Carry on. So I'm giving him four and a half because my expectations were so low. He certainly exceeded and beyond and that's why I'm going so high with the score. Now, in an overall kind of general ranking of a player, is he a four and a half star player? No, he's not. I get that. But I'm giving him four and a half for his performance with the Kings. My freshest memory of Dion Phaneuf is that pass he made to Kopitar against Vegas to tie the so game. Pretty. Just so pretty. A headsy play, a smart play, a creative play. I think for that play alone, maybe he got that extra extra half a star from me. But yeah, I, I'm just so I was so happy uh, with the way he performed. I was I, I can't really recall ever being upset with anything he did. So the analogy I was going to make, he's Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. You got to explain. That one to me. <laughs> oh, the movie. 
Yes. Ah, see, yes. I went to the character, Randy the yes. Ram Robinson. No, 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 <laughs> you no, don't no, mean, no. You're not talking about the Ram. No. <laughs> you're talking about the no. movie. No, I'm talking about a guy who you had very low expectations no, for true. in a movie that you weren't really sure what to make of. And he showed up and you're like, how about that? Still got it. I can get that. I, I can get yeah. behind it. See? That's yeah. him. That's him. Cool. Maybe this will this will be another scale for some time in the future. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> this this player fits which character in what film? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I I was very close to that. I was going to say three and a half stars for him. Honestly, again, nothing. I agree with you in so many ways. Um, filled in a role that I think the Kings wanted him to fill in, not only in terms of like being a top four defenseman. Um, but also in terms of, I think the attitude that he brings to the locker room and like his presence, and you could really tell he was someone who, um, who appreciated being a member of the team, obviously his wife, you know, being a movie star and whatnot. And like being in LA, I think was a, was a welcome thing for him. And we've been hearing about that rumor of him coming to LA for years, but I think he fit in very nicely. Um, I'm a little worried because I feel like there was a, a small bit of drop off in, in the energy level and his endurance, you know, he's, he's not the youngest guy and he's taken a beating throughout his career. I'm a little worried about what the next couple seasons are going to look like. Um, but I would say three and a half stars. I'm comfortable with, you know, if we want to round it up to four, I'm okay with that. But that's, that's kind of about where I would end it. And who does that leave Vardy? That leaves the Bannerman's favorite. Well, not not just him, but the Bannerman's favorite whipping boy, uh, the one who just befuddles us and delights us all at the same time. And <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. he's Jake Muzzin. Yeah, Jake, Jacob Muzzin, neckbeard himself. I'm very curious at your score. For Jake Muzzin, you know, it's a thinker. If I'm if I'm being honest with myself, if you I'm being be. honest with myself, I have to be right. Yes, I think you have to give him four and a half stars, man. <laughs> He's going I off the be- board. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it, but I just I think of this team. He makes some boneheaded plays sometimes. He really does. He makes some like just asinine defensive plays sometimes but then i look at the end of the season and i'm like this guy's got 50 points again <laughs> yeah 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 you know and then it, uh, and then we had games where like he wasn't a, like when he got hurt just before the playoffs i was yeah very upset i was very upset because we, yeah, we knew in the playoffs no we were yes we were shitting bricks when he got injured <laughs> That's the it's yeah it's funny with him. He's a conundrum, <laughs> this man. Yeah, which is why I talk about you know you could trade him. That's fine. I, again, I uh, <laughs> I still think you can trade him for the right trade. You can still trade him. Uh, but it just, <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it, man. Um, uh, I have him at I have him at four stars, and it it just goes back to this for me. We were so hard on him this 
off se- this last off season when we started this podcast anytime <laughs> there was a trade rumor anytime we concocted this trade fantasy he was in it like first guy to go right and i'm gonna say that i this season for all the boneheaded crap he's done over his career in 17 boneheaded in 17 18 if there was a stat for boneheaded plays it would be the lowest of his career bhp percentage yes it would be the lowest he yes he still made some baffling decisions out there (laughs) yes but again this season it was i felt that they were few and far in between honestly i really did um he had a good season man uh that's why when he went down it hurt it hurt the kings it's also the reason why i think martinez is more likely to be traded because i think that the kings look at him the exact same way they look at everything and they go Every time we think about trading this guy, we try and think about, okay, who's going to step in and, and fill his shoes and play like him? And there's no immediate answer, quite frankly. He had 23 even strength assists. That's a career high. He had <laughs> he had a good year, man. He really did. His shooting percentage was 5.2, which for a defenseman I think is pretty good. Pretty good. His average time on ice that's was like actually counting shots that went into shin pads. Though, right, so. right. That's true. Um, 170 hits, 123 blocks. He had 17 takeaways, which is almost a career high. He had an almost career low 59 giveaways. He had 70 last year. <laughs> so I think what we're saying actually has statistical evidence behind it. Um, we just remember those extra 11 giveaways. Yeah. I mean, and they're Muslim giveaways, so they're not your average giveaway. Right, right in the they're slot. Like, right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So They're tape-to-tape slot tape passes. Tape-to-tape, like right to the tape of like James Neal or something. So know that. Know that. So, yeah, man, you heard it here first, guys. Mark the date on our first anniversary of, of our creation we have succumbed uh, to Jake Muzzin, and we agree that he had a good season. Hopefully it continues, man, because last year was disastrous for him. So keep going there, Jake Neckbeard. And we will continue to call you out on every little mistake you make because we're jerks. And then when you get so, hurt, we will cry. We're, you know, we're, we're crazy. <laughs> we okay? are. We're fans. We're insane. Yeah. Yeah, um, Drew Doughty. You know, one, one, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Come on, man. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Before you get, hold on. Four and a half stars. Okay, All right. four and a half stars. I think I know where you're coming from on this. This is a curse of being as talented as he is, mm-hmm. because when you're that good. And you have moments where you're not great. It just it sticks with me as as a fan, right? I don't want to revisit the whole Chicago debacle, but that has something to do with it. Um, there were times this season again, man, where I was frustrated with him, and it's just like you're doing too much. You're trying too much. Uh, he he reined it in. I'm not. That's not even a question. He played 
some would argue the best season of his career. He had 60 points. That's a career high. Uh, he's probably the favorite for the Norris Trophy. He had 50 assists, which is ridiculous. Okay. That's a career high by like a mile. Um, his time on ice was led the NHL. Like, again, he should be a five star every single season. Just, he is a unique talent that the Kings may never see again, may have never had before in, in the way he plays the game. But he still somehow manages to leave you wanting just a little bit more from him. And that half star is the little bit more that I want from him. And I wanted it from him last season. Here's the thing. I don't think I'm going to blow anyone's minds by saying that. I think there's. I think most people can already kind of gauge that. There should be. At least one. Five star player. In this ranking. Okay. For it's not a spoiler. You mean? Not, in the, not in the defenseman. I just mean on the roster. Okay. There's at least one five star player. Okay. Yes. Depending on how you want to look at it, there might be more than one. Yes. And we'll get to that next episode. Teaser. <laughs> nice. I think it's it's very difficult for me to look at a guy who probably played his best season ever. And even if I'm judging him against himself and I made the same same criticisms, no question, early on every time there was things that I was like he's trying entirely too hard um, but it's hard for me to to look at the overall picture and where he landed and where he ended and and just what he means to this team and how he stepped his game up this season I think it's impossible for me to give him less than five stars despite the criticism then that's not implying perfection five stars is not implying perfection in this case but I think this is this is about as perfect as I, you're going to get with him because he's just that type of a guy, I think, where you have to accept that he's going to go off the rails every once in a while and do some dumb shit. For every little bit of dumbass games he has, he'll have like five world beater games that that just make you more frustrated about that one dumbass game. And so it, it, it highlights the dumb plays. It's kind of like a reverse Muzzin phenomenon <laughs> where – <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I think I think that's the problem. And you're right. It is the curse of being as talented as he is because then you can't help but pick out the, the flaws, right? It's so right. much easier to see the flaws when everything else is perfection. And I think that's that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold that against him, man. Yeah, I'm no. willing to sacrifice one or two games in the season where he just goes off the rails for the couple games that he single-handedly wins us yeah no that's all fair hard to disagree with um right. but this is a good place to end right marty because it, next, is. it is because next it's week good. or next episode i should say we're gonna have even more fun debates about a whole we other batch of players a lot more in the forwards uh, i'm i'm personally excited about a couple mm-hmm. to see where they're at see what we see by next one sorry we should have a stanley cup champion that's true and i hope yes and i hope they wear red yes and not trim i'm talking about predominantly red full (laughs) mostly red is what i'm saying okay yeah that's it for us guys 
thanks for joining us episode 22 one year anniversary thanks to everyone who's taken any time to listen to us this one year we've been around um we're excited to keep doing it well we love this we love you guys and we'll see you next time for episode 23 the dustin brown episode see you guys later